0: Definitely appreciate every volunteer today. We've got a good group of them in the children's wing. Of course, first through fifth grade's being dismissed to Children's Church. Let me see here. Here we go. There we go. 2 Timothy, uh, Second Timothy chapter 1, if you will. 2 Timothy Chapter 1. So today, in a lot of ways, is very um, important to me personally. Um, uh, 2005, which had been 16 years ago, I preached my first church message. I preached in other scenarios before, but I remember I came home from school, and of course, one of the first things they want you to do is preach, and that two weeks later was Mother's Day, and um, I preached out out of a passage that we'll finish up with today. Um, My mother's, one of her favorite passages in all the Bible is uh, Proverbs 31, and so that's what I preached on. And so I got to thinking, I was like, oh man, here we are 16 years later (laughs) and a lot less hair, (laughs) a lot less hair. Other areas have uh, the ministry has been expanded, but um, on the hair end, we have lost all that. 2 Timothy chapter one, there is no other. Like mother. So when anytime you have a message like this, we have to remember that not everyone is in this particular boat, being a mother. Um, I remember we'd been married for five years, and uh, hearing the doctor say you'll never have children, um, that there was some complications and issues, and you'll never be a mother. Uh, I remember walking to the car with her that day and really feeling... A hurt that I couldn't fix or do anything about, and really feeling kind of helpless. And uh, so I, I definitely know I don't feel that exact same pain. I do understand it. But I think we all, whether we are, were we in the category of mothers, only about half of us maybe in this group, hopefully. <laughs> but it, whether we all in that group are mothers, we can at least be thankful for our mother or the mothers in our life that became mothers, because our mother wasn't able to be the mother that we needed. More than anything, we want this message to give glory to God, and you'll, there'll be lots of different pieces in, in this, but yes, this is more directed toward, I know, mother specifically, because there really is no other. I found that out a lot in the last couple of weeks. I take great pride, and I want to be with my children, um, practices, games, I want them to know who their dad is, but buddy, I keep Riley throughout a whole week. Or a whole date or whatever, and I feel like, man, I was there for him today. And all he really could figure out was like, when's mom gonna be here? <laughs> Is mom coming soon? <laughs> we just uh, there's there, there's a totally different build. We I can't love like she can love. I wish I could, like I want to, you know. But it's totally different. She gets there in bed with him and somehow cuddles with him and those of you that know him, he's not a tiny dude. Um and like, it's so, like, perfect, and I'll be honest, I can't, I'm not good at that. Like, I want to be, you know, I'll come sit here, baby, I'm not, no, I can't do that. Um, there just is no other, and I even ask him, like, privately, thinking he'd maybe tell me something different. So, if you like having me around a little bit, and that whole, that, that whole look of, like, should I tell you what you want to hear? Wait a minute, I have to be honest. So, Dad, I mean, I, I just wish Mom was here. <laughs> and I said, yeah, me too, I get it, I totally get it. Mothers in our church, what an unbelievable influence. Just going down to the children's wing and seeing future ladies, women in our church. We've got some teenagers back there today, with some adults, but already seeing them begin to take steps, and it's just built in. God has given mothers something that he didn't give us men, thankfully, right? But This message, of course, isn't all just for current mothers it's for grandmothers. These ladies that are mentioned in this scripture, the only time they're mentioned in the Bible is this, but we, then we see the importance of grandparents in the part that a grandparent plays. I'm very thankful for my, my, my kids' grandparents, but I'm also thankful for my, for my grandparents, hanging out with them in their house and eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and thinking you were just having the best thing in the world and their white beans and cornbread was better than anybody else's, you know? growing up, and we didn't just eat, Um, (laughs) but playing and all. (laughs) Let's go to our passage, though, this morning, uh, 2 Timothy 1, 1 to 5. We're going to read this. We're going to come back to it. I want to make sure we have a good feeling of who the audience is and the writer. So we'll read through it first. 2 Timothy 1, 1 to 5, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus." I don't want to pause throughout this whole reading, but I'm going to tell you that is huge. He's made it very clear who he's talking to here. He's talking to believers, those in in Christ Jesus. But specifically to one, to Timothy, verse two, and if you mark your Bibles, I have this marked, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace. From God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. I thank God in whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you. That I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first. In your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and now I'm sure, I am sure dwells in you as well." Paul here is writing to Timothy. Our Bible is not given to us in the New Testament in a chronological format, meaning this isn't the last book of the Bible that we'll see that was penned by Paul, but chronologically, this is the last book he wrote. You and I know that there's such a value put on last words. And um, in, in chapter 4 of this same book, it says, I've, you know, I've fought the good fight. I've finished my course. There's laid up for me a crown. And right before that, he wants to encourage a man who's in more than likely his 30s, young, young pastor. And there's really two main purposes of this book. First of all, there's a lot of false teachers out there. Given a gospel that's false, and he's wanting to encourage them to encourage him to stay by the Bible that you have. Now, keep in mind, today we opened up our pads, our books, and we have an entire book, an entire Bible, all sixty-six books. Of course, Timothy didn't have that, but he was saying, "Stay to what truth that you do have." And then, this last purpose of this book, you can almost sense this Father Son. That's why I really love that one little part, that little phrase my beloved child. He's wanting to encourage Timothy. He's wanting to see Timothy. There are just certain, some people that you see they, that, they, yeah, they're not your last name, but they kind of feel like family. And him sitting in jail, of course, right? Which I think it's awesome, by the way. He could actually write scripture. Think about that. No matter what situation we're put in, that's a whole other message on a whole another different day. But this man is in a dungeon and he's actually writing a letter that will read—I mean, that will be read for thousands of years. That's amazing. Now to use that. Timothy, though, is in Ephesus, and he's wanting to make sure that he wants to make sure Timothy knows. Look, I want to encourage you in these last words, these last, this last letter I get to write, because he knew he had, he had already been before that the court was ahead of him, and he knew his end would be death. I think that's a privilege, too, to know kind of when you're coming to the end, which the words are are very choice. And it's interesting here, even in this first chapter, the people that are mentioned, that will never be mentioned in any other part of the Bible. In verse 5 today, we'll really spend our time. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, in your mother, Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. Number one, the significance of a godly heritage in the life of a child. The significance of a godly heritage in the life of a child. Now, let me just say, this godly heritage, Jeff said something a few weeks ago, maybe months ago now, that when he first said it, it kind of rang, and then I played it over and over again in my head. And there is a real truth and value to this. My children's godly heritage, the, participa- the people who volunteer on any level to influence him in our church, our fake family, I truly believe they're part of his godly heritage. Because Jeff said that day, he said that the, the could come up, there will come a point when your fake family can mean even more, will mean even more than your own family. And when he said that, I was kind of like, Whoa, wait, hold up, wait a minute. But boy, he's exactly right. There's a bond. Look, I, I went to lunch with someone this week that I have not known, not, do not know, have not known that long, um, not near as long as my family. But I will tell you, I feel like family with this person. They prayed with me, hugged me, and just encouraged me. We were back and forth and some things, and I thought, that can only happen because Jesus is a part of what we're doing. So let me just, let me just say this first and foremost. You say, you know what? I don't have a godly heritage, what church do you go to? What church family do you know? What church family are you investing in, and how are they investing in you? What are they walking with you right now? Man, I wish I could take you to a church in, um, right outside of Boston. Dude, it's a, it's a totally different deal. They had funerals for their blood family members. They had funerals for them when they accepted Christ because they left the Catholic faith. You want to talk about church family being their family? When they walk in the door, It's all they have, many of them. We had the opportunity to be there and help, help do some work there many years ago. And I was struck by how like, tight this group was. But then they explained to you, well, I mean, my grandmother, my mother had a funeral for me because I left the Catholic faith. I was like, what? He said, oh, yeah. That's how serious it is. In the South, you pass a bunch of good quality churches on the way to church, right? And so it almost, it almost, it's, not, it's not as important, or it's, it's when I come to church, I put on a certain feel about myself. Everything's fine. I'm fine. Great. Good. Listen, the last two weeks, I've not been fine. I'll just be very honest with you. I came back here that first week after my kid fell. I didn't want to be here um, at all, but I'm telling you, in those moments, I'd get a text, a call, I'd get a card. I'd get somebody saying, "Look, I, I know you've, I know I've asked about this, but I'm gonna ask about it. I, I know you don't want to say it again. No, we've needed that, to be very honest with you. But the fact of the matter is, there are people sitting in this room that need that. Your hello, your little bit of love you'll show, will mean the world to them. And you become part of that godly heritage. But in our children, more than ever, it is so important." That's why I'll tell you this. We pulled the volunteer blurb out of the back of the bulletin. Renee knows this. I didn't like it in the bulletin to begin with because I don't know, that I, I don't know what it actually does. Honestly, that's not a waste of time what's happening down there. That's a life change. Honestly, these people are investing in, in, the, in our church. These are the next church. They are the church, and really, you should not really have to beg. We should want, and let me just say, for the vast majority, that is the way it is here. We have so many people that volunteer, so this is not a ploy to get you to do that. I believe God has every ministry for his ministry, and he has all the people prepared to work that ministry. So we don't have to ask, God can do the work in that. But none of that is wasted time. When a child colors a paper, right, or cuts out something, that's not wasted time. When they're out there in play, in an environment where God is honored. That is not a wasted moment. Those are moments that will be with them the rest of their life. I'll give you some people in my life, Betty Williams. I'm not going to see her in the Hall of Fame. She's in my Hall of Fame. She was my cubby's teacher as a child. I remember her. I will remember her going forward. Um, my grandmother, she's not my grandmother, but I always called her that. She's 94 years old when she passed away. I stayed with her when I was a child. I can hear her right now quoting scripture. And those moments, while they seem small and insignificant, they are massive because we're implanting truth in the lives of children. And you say, no, hold up though. We're the first ones in our family to accept Christ. And well, you're the beginning. You're the beginning. You're the, you're the start. You say, well, hold up. I, I'm a single parent. Okay. You can still be the godly heritage. We have, you have a role to play. And by the way, our person in our in our um, message today, Timothy, he didn't come from the ideal family, in any stretch of the imagination. And look what this dude did. I mean, people—millions of people—will know the name Timothy, whether they read their Bible or not. Next one: There's each generation of faith has a responsibility to share their faith with the next generation. I debated whether putting this in here. Each generation of faith has a responsibility. To share their faith with the next generation. You say, well, that seems extremely obvious. It's not anymore. It's not obvious anymore. Um, my, uh, my son was on a football team, and um, I would ask the kids what church they go to. Of course, they'd look at you like, what? Well, they don't, I mean, huh? by the way, it's less than two miles where he would practice, so it's just right in our area right here. Oh, uh, my, my grandmother goes to this church such and such. Well, what church is it? I don't don't know. At some point, we decided to to be quiet. It's been stated before, and I think it was actually said something was said last week. I don't have a hard time talking, right? Honestly, in the South, there's a lot of us that like to talk. What in the world are we talking to our kids about? I love football, and you know that. I love to watch my kid play football, right? I got another one that's going to be an athlete, whatever. I love all of that. That's going to burn and die, really. It doesn't matter in the long t- term. You know, whether my team wins a championship or not, it's going to burn. But I hope they know more than anything of the God that we serve. The things that we do because of what Jesus did for us. And I hope you spend time with them. And there are awesome little moments that you're given It doesn't have to be a specific, all right, let's sit down and have our family devotions and all this big That should happen throughout the day, in the car, just a few moments with you and your child. Just telling them what God has done for them or asking them, when's the last time you ask your kid, what's God done for you? And just total silence, make them speak. That can be weird, right? Total silence. Don't give them an answer. Ask them, so what's the Lord done for you today? If we don't do this, we're going to be like several of those precious football kids who have unbelievable talent, speed, and skill, but they're dying and going to hell because grandmother didn't apparently share enough to mom, or mom didn't get it, and and it stopped. And that's how quickly this can go away. We live in a community that's very moral, but is going to hell. The area I live in, oh, such such good people. Yeah, good people go to hell every day. Why? Because we're not talking to our kids from the time they're small. Do you never realize that at the age of five, they were instructed, they being Timothy's mom and grandmother, were instructed to give them the words of God, that it wouldn't be a few years later and they would have the entire um, first five books of the Bible memorized. That goes on a whole other thing and I'll spend a moment here before I get too far and I don't want to get too far down this road. Even our time with, in discipleship with our children, Oh, let's give them a little verse or a word. Kids are, kids are amazing. They can retain. You ought to give them chunks. You say, well, they can't get all of it. They give them as much as they can hold. I mean, then give them a little bit more. It's not up to me and you. God will use it. I can remember dating Kristen. I was told not to say a lot about her, but she's at home and she's not here. <laughs> and I know she's probably watching. Um, but I remember we were dating. We, we grew up together in school and all that, and most of you know that. But so, I'd go to her house to come pick her up, and I'd walk up the stairs, and um, her mother would. would be the door would be cracked. You come right up the stairs, and there's a room right here, and in front, and that door would be cracked. I still remember it. I believe the the paint was yellow on the walls, and there was a rocking chair that she would sit in. Her Bible would be open, and she had been praying. And me as a teenager who's really only there for one reason, to get Kristen and leave, (laughs) right? But I won't forget that. To this day, I can send my mother and my my mother-in-law both a text. Hey, listen, I need you to pray. And I can promise you they will. Hey, I I need this encouragement. I need this. Oh, no, listen, we'll go to the Lord right now. And to see multiple times, that was not an uncommon thing to come to my wife's house to pick up her for, or when she, we were kids, to pick her up and see her off in a room by, by herself with the Lord. It was a priority thing. Like I said before, y'all know I like to talk. It would be times when she put the phone away. I'm like, we'll talk to you right now. I got to spend time with God. That did more for me in those little moments. She didn't say, Brandon, go read your Bible. Go talk to God about it. No, she modeled that. And that's what our kids need to see. That is part of passing it down. A godly heritage, next, next uh, blanks, a godly heritage may not be both parents or even biological parents. If you go to Acts, we find a little bit more about this family, and it's going to come up on the screen in just a moment. I'll let you write that one down. A godly heritage may not be both parents or even biological parents. Um, Acts chapter 16 and verse 1 and 2, and it can be on the screen. You can look at it and you don't necessarily have to turn there. Paul came to Derby and Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra Anaconium. Paul here on a missionary journey had met Timothy, who had a great testimony of faith. But notice that little phrase in verse one. But his father was a Greek. This was a mixed family. Right? We have a, we have a Greek and we have a Jew. And in fact, we would find later on if we kept reading that Paul himself. All right, kind of stepped in in a fatherly role for Timothy because there were things that his Timothy's father would not allow to be done, and Paul himself did it as an adult. I'm talking about circumcision. Why? Because Timothy's parent Timothy's mother was a Jew. Now, what's interesting here, and this is also such a beautiful story of redemption. So we got Timothy's grandmother. We know from this was a believer. And I want to read into what's not here. We can't say for sure. We, believe it, we tend to believe that Timothy's dad was not a believer, which means it's very possible that mom and dad got married and neither one of them were believers. Mom gets saved. Dad doesn't and continues to live the life he was living. Uh, this idea of him being Greek is less about his nationality it's the fact that he wasn't a follower of Jehovah God. And yet look at how timothy turned out i will say we have an excuse mentality today well my mom didn't do this and my dad wasn't this well i didn't grow up in a christian home and 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 that all may be true timothy was not in the most ideal of situations here it it would if you read into that a little bit and i don't want to say what the bible doesn't say but it definitely would lead us to believe that Timothy's father wasn't the spiritual leader of the home, because later, like we read in Timothy, he wasn't even mentioned. In fact, Paul says, "My son, I believe Paul looked at Timothy as more than even a spiritual son, but has as if he was his father. What an impact, though, of a godly mother. What an impact of a godly grandmother. This family that, despite the current circumstances inside the walls of that home, this godly heritage doesn't have to stop with a certain biological element of children. I'm sure Timothy looked at Paul. In fact, he says, I remember your tears, right? Timothy looked at Paul as a a spiritual father, and he knew Paul's time was coming, like his own dad was dying. Why? Because Timothy's godly heritage wasn't just biological but then we get to his mother for a moment and his grandmother what a role grandparents play i know many of you in here you take you keep your kid you keep your grandchildren you go pick them up from places and sometimes if you were just to be blunt and the christian filter wasn't on you'd be like i'm sick and tired of doing all this i've already done this one time why have i got to do this again right some of you nicely have said that before um, and while I fully get that grandparents shouldn't be overused there's a better word for that at the same time what a role grandparents get to have what a role here we don't see their names but again we get back to Timothy and we see she's mentioned in the Bible and all we know which this is what's cool all we know is that she was a godly grandparent That she poured into a, a, a child's life That shows you the value that God puts on that versus what we think we have to accomplish today, right, or we think we have to have. Anytime you have the opportunity that you can spend, I, I just told someone this, and they're an adult, and I said, hey, your parents, just based on experience alone, you don't know my parents. No, I don't know them like you know them, but they have invaluable wisdom that they can give you. And I know my, my children benefit from grandparents that put into them, they live in front of them, the gospel. And this is exactly really what Timothy had, and he didn't have a, does it sound like he had a dad who knew the Lord? It seems Timothy's father was an unbelieving Gentile, leaving his mother and, the grand, and grandmother the responsibility of raising Timothy in the ways of God. And now we're seeing the benefit Of that in this passage, but do you look all across this town and county and the world today? What do we have now? We used to have absent fathers. We have absent parents. Um, that same football team—I don't want to continue to talk about that—but I was just shocked. It was not uncommon for a 12-year-old boy to be at a girl's house for the weekend, and you'd ask, "Where the where are the parents?" And they looked at you like, "What?" Well, they're not there. They're not there. Well, I mean, the dad ran off. It's just the mom. Yeah, but she still has a role and responsibility. I'm thankful that in this passage we see that Timothy's parents' mom did not forego that responsibility. Number two, mothers have a significant role in the salvation and discipleship of their children. Mothers have a significant role in the discipleship, salvation and discipleship of their children. Real quick, flip to 2 Timothy 3.15. We're going to hit verse 14 in a minute too, but let's, verse 15 is our first kind of hit on this particular point. Second Timothy 3.15 says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith. That word sacred writings. That just means he had the Old Testament. Of course, New Testament wasn't even complete, completed then. But mothers have, a, have in a role that honestly, even dads can't have. There's a closeness there. And I want to pull up this sheet. And I know you can't really see this. These are available in the children's wing. And one of the goals I rate, I'm i a big goal, next thing, what can we accomplish this year type person? So i write them down. And I'm like, what's our goal? I love to see kids come to Christ, and I love being a part of that. But I think the greatest thing in the world is if a mom and dad can lead their own child to Christ. They've, they're with that person, those people. They see them every single day. And if there's an environment where they see the gospel lived out, as they're giving them the gospel biblically, going through the Bible verses, they've already seen it. What an impact that has. All right? So I give this, and these are available, like I said, in right there at the Children's League when, um, when you come in. Scan in, but it's awesome about. It says what to say and what not to say when leading a child to Christ, because we have words today we throw out, and I think in that Christendom, some of those words make oh yeah, I don't know what they're saying. When you tell a child, "Have you asked Jesus in your heart today?" What I'm supposed to cut like my heart open or something? Like is he invading me physically? You know they don't know what all that means. This is a really easy way, Um, and I have parents that send me emails, text, and talk to me and say, "Hey." My kids asking questions. I don't know what to. Say. I mean, what? I, I don't know what to say. Let me say the first thing. If you're saved, right? I would tell you to start with what you did, what God did through you, what God did to you, right? Jeff's question, of course, is and it's really good. And I know he said it in here a lot. What are you trusting? And they'll tell. They'll if you can get to a point with a child, they'll tell you that this is a really good tool, and you can have those um, as far as leading a child to Christ and what to say and not to say. Really. It really helps you. But there's a, there's a, a, um, a statistic that I want to show. Can you pull that screen up? Yes. Okay. So, I didn't draw this even though it looks like I did. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. So, I just want you to look at these for a moment. This is the age, according to this, is about two years old, so it will be pre-pandemic, um, of when a child or when a person accepts Christ. So you see there's zero to four, it's about 1%. Four to 14, 85%. So 86% from zero to 14, okay? And then you see 15 to 30 is about 10%. Look at that past 30. Age 30 and above, 4% of those who have accepted Christ, accepted Christ past 30 years old. So you see how important children's and student ministry is, really? I mean, from zero to 14, that's 86%. And now what if I were to ask you, more than likely, the vast majority of people in this room accepted Christ when they were a child. Now you say, I didn't, I'm a different home life situation, I, I, I got saved later. That's incredible, though. And let me just say, that really isn't my, my job. What? you're the children's pastor. That is your job. That's Mike's job. He's got to handle these kids, right? Honestly, you're with them a whole lot more than we are. And we're seeing windows in the life, right? We don't see the whole picture. And what a privilege it would be to be able to lead your child to Christ. Listen, if we get to do that, I mean, that's awesome. I would put you on cloud nine, man. But that's a humbling statistic too. There comes a point when they become so smart that God's irrelevant, When they have such life experience, they don't need God anymore. And this is why we cannot negate our responsibility to continue if you're saved and you're in here and you have a godly heritage to continue that, whether you're a parent or a grandparent. We have a responsibility to expand that, to grow that. But Lord willing to see them saved before they're 14 or by the time they're 14, because the chances of them coming to know the Lord, statistically speaking, are substantially less. Listen, so Timothy's situation wasn't ideal, but his mom still had a massive role in his life, spiritually speaking, and now we see Timothy for generations. Another thing we do, and you can, you can put that back on the verse now if you want to, um, what we do in children's ministry, and I, I, this just fits here. So from the time your child comes to uh, Grace Kids as a, as a baby, and then when they can begin to walk just a wee bit... We start in giving them some level on their level of Bible. And we go through this whole series called the Gospel Project from the time they can somewhat get it, let's say three years old till fifth grade. They'll have went through the Bible at least two different times, closely, close to a third time. Now you say that we're not going page by page, okay, all right? We're taking big stories out, big portions out. And every year, it's actually different. So when you get back, when they go through it a second time, they don't go through necessarily that same story in Habakkuk that they went to the first time. But at every single lesson, there's this one piece. And I tell them, I tell our people, look, it can be super simple. You can literally just read it, okay? If you don't feel comfortable adding or you'd rather just go by that outline, great, do it. But don't miss this Christ connection so that by the time they get to fifth grade, now, we're in that 10 of ten to 14 now. We've only got a few more years before the, mo- the majority of them are going to accept Christ. That ground should be good and fertile. At least they should have heard it. But at max, they could have only heard that 52 times in a, in a year. That's not enough. That's not enough for me and you, much less a child. The whole point of teaching them that here on Sunday is that, Lord willing, so at some point, Monday through Friday and Saturday, they're getting that gospel lived out in front of them. discipleship begins in the home." Now, this just isn't mothers. I understand that. But as we've already stated, the influence that a mother has in the time they spend with their children is more than likely is going to be more than a dad could be there. And this isn't necessarily like a classroom build. You do this, you are discipling, whether you want to call it formally or informally, all day, how you respond to things. When things don't go well. And your kids see that. When they see you and your spouse argue, well, we don't do that. Well, good for you. I did yesterday. I mean, you know, I love that. We don't argue in front of the children. Oh, awesome! I wish I could do that. We don't argue all the time in front of the children. Is what we say. Okay. But realistically seeing, when we do that, they see exactly how we respond to that situation. And then when we see that reciprocated, you ever had that happen, you know, that thing that you deal with and you see it in your children and you're like, oh, man, I know where they got that at. (laughs) Oh, no. Then you got to go through, well, son, I'm sorry, I modeled this sin in front of you and please forgive me. And now let's turn from that. Oh, and by the way, there's still punishment. When do you get punished? Dude, it's every day. Okay. (laughs) Okay. seriously, you can, you can go serve in every, in every area of this corner of this county. You can be involved in every ministry, but you don't need to let your children go to hell. And that's what happens. My, one of my, I don't know, it was a fear. It's just in the forethought of my head. When my kid spent a ton of time here, in fact, we saw a ball or something that one of them had been playing with. Thank you, Chris. He found a ball. He's like, I think this is Avery's. He's not even here today, by the way. He hasn't been here in several weeks, so um, he, he we live here. So I let them when we're here. I mean, I let them be themselves, right? I, I I know that running in church for some of us is a difficulty. Believe it or not, it's a difficulty for me. When I see my kids run, I'm, there's part of me that wants to say, sit down, but I don't. I hold it in, like hold it. Don't say anything. Just let it go. Let it go. Or a ball in church. Let me tell you something. That was a cardinal sin. I don't know if she's watching, but should she she'd tell you the truth? My mother would tell you, you don't bring balls to church, son. We're not going we to play basketball. We're going to church. But I will tell you, since my kids are here a little more than some others, I want them to have an awesome experience and let it be fun and let them enjoy the time. Why? Because when they're 18, 19, and 20, when they're being attacked of the world in a college they'll go to, they'll come back. They'll stay in because that's what's happening. They're getting sifted. Kids that were doing great, kids that were walking and living for the Lord, and then sometime from about 18 to 23, are gone. Well, church was boring. Well, I mean... So it's home sometimes, right? No, I and mean, we can't make everything, I understand, fun, but we want to be a place where they can be, and, my, and mine especially. If you see mine throwing a ball and it bothers, you can come tell me. I'm probably not going to make them stop unless they're hurting somebody because in, in 10 years, I want them to still be here in, the, in, the, in some church, living for the Lord, doing what God asked them to do. And that doesn't just happen on Sundays. It has to happen on Thursday. It has to happen on Tuesday night when you're tired when you're just sick of everything, you know? And you say, well, I don't know anybody that does that. Well, go to Facebook. You'll find it. They all put it on there. <laughs> I'm t- I, the greatest thing about that of social media is this. They pull out their phones and they're like, I'm tired. I want to go to bed. Put the phone down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is the best. Uh, and, if you, and if you posted that, I'm not talking about you because I can't remember anybody that did it. All right? Can you believe he said that about me? No, I wasn't talking about you, I promise. (laughs) Timothy had been taught sacred scriptures from childhood. And this is the cool thing that's happening right now. And the seed of God's word that was implanted flourished in his heart. Man, when you see that little window come on. Ray's told me about um, Ray Capes told me about seeing kids back in Kentucky that he had seen for years, and coming back, and seeing those children that he had seen for decades. I mean, uh, when they were children, now they're teenagers and almost adults, and being you know, pour into them. None of that's going to go away. Go go void. We don't know what God's going to do with it. That's why any time we can speak some scripture into the life of a child, we have to take that opportunity. We have to. Finally, number three, and we're going to go fast, okay? We're about finished. Number three, saved children have a responsibility to God and to past saints to continue to grow in their faith. Saved children, these are believers now. These are brothers and sisters in Christ as much as they are children, have a responsibility to God and to past saints. Timothy felt a great responsibility to his mother, to his grandmother, but he also felt a great responsibility to Paul to continue to grow in their faith. 2 Timothy 3, would you wish verse 15 if you go up one verse? Verse 14 of 2 Timothy 3. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from from you, knowing from whom you learned it. He's telling Timothy, there may be false teachers around. But continue to preach the gospel. That gospel that you read as a child, those sacred writings, that Old Testament, continue. Verse 15, and from childhood you have been acquainted with sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. He's saying, Timothy, don't forget what you started. Don't forget. To a degree, we feel like there's a responsibility, like we pour into the children. Lord willing, if they accept Christ, they'll begin to reciprocate that. Tell their, their community, whether it be at their school community, in their neighborhood, something about Jesus. Why? Because that begin that begins to start to complete the cycle, right? And Paul's here saying the same thing to Timothy. Now I mentioned Proverbs 31, and I want to finish there. See, we're bringing her down the home stretch. Proverbs 31. We're gonna read about twenty-one verses, and don't worry, we're not gonna do line by line, you know, precept by precept on this. But when you look at your scripture and you see the star Christian woman, here she is, man. And I will tell you before I read it, I've had a lot of these in my life. I have got a lot of these right now. Just spiritual superstars. Oh, they don't have, you know, maybe some notoriety or fame. But when it goes to Proverbs 31, they live it every day. So Proverbs 31, and we're going to start in verse 11. We're going to read all 30, I mean, the rest of the end of the chapter. And verse, uh, chapter verse 10, excuse me. And Eunice and Lois is, Proverbs th- 31, an excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her. And he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ship of the merchants. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with a strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. Ever come in late and mom's still waiting on you? Her lamp doesn't go out. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands to hold the spindle. are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household. It does not eat bread, eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Look at this next little phrase, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. I want to take a look at a couple of the uh, just a couple of phrases. Notice where her husband is in the gates, right? That would have. This, they wouldn't be doing um, just the business of the day, right? Leadership would be out at the gates, just having a good one. Basically, think about to a degree. I think this is like the front porch conversations. At some point, at work, or it, even out, that began to even outside of work. That whole idea of praising her husband, praising her, began to change. And it began. We go around the water cooler and talk about our wives in an inappropriate manner, kind of putting them down or mocking them or making fun of them or making light of that. Just like I said before, there are things I won't forget about seeing different family members of mine in the scriptures. I can also remember going to work or my dad working, and I would see the guys at the water cooler. Yeah, that and they'd call a certain word by the give, give their wife a certain word and she doesn't do nothing around here and puts them down. You know, it's pretty, pretty clear here. When we mention our wives, it should always be in a positive spirit and connotation. We should be lifting them up. It's pretty, it's pretty clear that this woman was absolutely worthy. But let me just say this too. If she wasn't, it's not the responsibility of a man to tear down their wife. I can't out—I cannot figure out why men and women tear each other you know, their spouses down and they tear down their children. Don't take this the wrong way. But dude, if he's bad, it came from you. <laughs> you know, right? I mean, I don't get that. Men, we should be uplifting and encouraging, and our wives should be superstars to the public. Because if we're honest, they're, they're a bigger superstar at home than they are out in public anyway, more than likely. But I also like verse 30, I can relate to verse 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is empty. That means if you ain't got all the looks, yours included right here, it all dies, it all goes away. Now, let me say this, I married a beautiful woman. She was, man, this woman smiles amazing, right? But I'll tell you, there's nothing of the beauty that I saw as a teenager It's so much greater today. Why? Because we've seen them sacrifice. We've seen them do things that we wouldn't do. I didn't change many of my first one's diapers. It made me sick to do it. She did it and was like on clockwork. Now I have on my second one. I tried to do better there. I tried to do better. But there's so many things about our mothers that are gorgeous beyond whatever skin tone they have because of all the things they've done for us. So I want to encourage you today to go say, thank you, mother, we love you. You see, our relationship isn't good. You can still say, thank you, mother, I love you. We don't talk that often. Yeah, you still can. Be that that token of grace. I want to encourage you, if you're a grandparent. I know you put a lot of time in, but your time's not done. We have a lady in our church, she's 99 years old. She can barely see, she's home by herself. And you know what her ministry, she said to me, she goes, my ministry is I get to pray all day for the, for the church, for different people in our church and our church family. She's 99 and she said, I still have a ministry. I I said, I was trying to keep myself from crying. I I, uh, I, I was like, yes, we need this on a video. (laughs) That's the first thing. I thought, can I video you saying that again? Why? Because at 99, it wasn't over. Her ministry wasn't over. You say, but I'm tired. Okay. Just be in your kid's presence. Just your presence means a lot. It can be life-changing. Timothy's dad's never mentioned by name. In fact, all we know is that more than likely, they didn't even know the Lord. That's all we know about this man. But Lois and Eunice will be known for generations, all because they lived in the ways of the Lord and shared it with their family. Graceview Church, as much as we say we're a fake family, and by the way, we've experienced that recently, we're, a fa- we're so much beyond just people sitting in a, a seat, Right? If the world, I thought about this, I said, the world could have seen how Graceview's ministered to my family in the last two weeks and how it's ministered to others that maybe we don't even know about every little situation. Man, how attractive is the gospel, right? Then it is our responsibility to pass this on to our children. And I know here we have many godly mothers that do that. So I want to encourage you today in that moment when you're about to lose it, right? You don't have those. I'm about to lose it on you, right? Stop and hold up and say, well, thank you, Lord. This is an opportunity, and help me not to say the thing I shouldn't say, and the next time you want to say something negative about your wife or your mother, I pray you'll have a pause because, boy, they're the better half in that situation, I can tell you, all right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, we are grateful for the women of Graceview Church oh man, the things that they're doing, discipling and reaching this community. Lord, I pray that we would reach our families. Lord, I pray we would be a a church that reaches families first, from our house and into this entire community. Lord, we know the gospel changes things. We thank you for the gift of a mother. Lord, only you could have designed that. The gift of grandparents, God, we're so thankful for that for there truly is no other like a mother. Lord, be with us this week as we go out and about. God, I pray that you would empower us to live the gospel out in our community. Be with pastor, especially Miss Deanna, Lord, as she's healing, and as they come back and empower them for the following ministry. We'll give you praise and glory for what you're going to do even today as we get to be with our families. In Jesus' name, amen.